Da-da-da-da. Your attention, please. Uh, hello. Please pay attention. Announcements matter. If Bob... Oh, look at Bob. Hi, Bob. If Bob hadn't been listening to the announcement, he would not have made it to the meeting where he met his wife. Their kids would never have been born, and the Internet would not exist. Probably. So, pay attention for just a minute. Unless you hate the future. Thank you. Just thought we'd try to do something. Get your attention. Hello. It's good to have you here. What a beautiful day it is out there that the Lord has given to us. Isn't that great? We've got some visitors here. So if you see someone you don't know, don't assume that you should know them. Introduce yourself, all right? That's a great way to do that. Uh, I have not looked to see who the Missionary of the Week is, by the way, so I'm going to just have to wing it from up here, but we'll see what it is. Go ahead. Let's see. Welcome for joining us. If you've, is it your first time, please stop by the desk out there. We have a, uh, a gift for you on your way out, and uh, if you're joining us online for the first time, uh, use that QR code and let us know that you're out there so that we can uh, just be thrilled at your presence. Nursery workers are needed. We are in a situation where uh, babies are being born at our church. We still have four that are coming our way, and uh, I think we've had 10 in the last uh, 12 months or so, or 14 months, so... Yeah, so we need nursery workers. So uh, we can utilize uh, couples. So if you're willing to work side by side, we can we can do that as well. So see Chrissy Pletcher or Megan uh, Gannon. That would help us out a lot. Uh, there is a hayride activity. This is a last-minute thing, but they have an opening, and we're taking it. So that's this Friday for our uh, class, Partners in Life uh, class. Uh, that is this Friday, 6 o'clock at the pitch-in dinner. And the hayride's at 6.40, and it ends whenever you finally decide to go home. They'll build a fire for us. We'll do s'mores and things after the hayride. Uh, but you're welcome to uh, come out and join us for that. That's going to be at Southeast Way Park. And I believe it's at number two, shelter number two. Is that right? JD is not in here. Shelter number, I'm going to tell you, it's shelter number two. You'll find us if it's not, all right? That's Southeast Way Park. Rekindle is this Saturday. We have to have good weather for this to work well. We've got a hundred. Some odd teenagers coming here uh, on that day, and it would be greatly helpful if we had a day like this. So here's how we make that happen. We pray, right? God can do what God wants to do, and, and we can do stuff inside if we have to, but we would prefer to be able to take those kids outside uh, for games. It's all day long. Brent Gellis is going to be preaching. If you just want to come and watch and see what it's about, uh, you're welcome to join us. There's three preaching services, three uh, large games that will be taking place with the entire group. And uh, and we feed them lunch, and everything's for free. We started doing this with our teenagers a few years back and decided that uh, since we were paying to have a speaker come in anyway, we could just invite people. It cost me a buck to feed them a hot dog and, you know, an apple, so it's no big deal. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll invite you to come out and be here on Saturday, but pray, please, for good weather. Uh, we have a Halloween tract ministry uh, that uh, so there's you know for people to pass out their tracks, but this, to pre-stuff bags, and we've had several of you have gotten together with that. People are going to stop by your house anyway, right? No matter how you feel about Halloween, people are going to stop by your house. You may as well tell them about Jesus while they're at it. And uh, so uh, if you want to meet on Monday, October 16th, 9:30 to 11:30 in the Fellowship Hall, uh, see Beth or Glenda for the information on that. Uh, there's a baby shower coming up for Jenny Fo- Jennifer Foster. Uh, so back when COVID hit, uh, they were expecting their first little one, and theirs was the first of these that got canceled. And uh, so we're going to 
have a baby shower for Miss Jennifer. That's Sunday, October 22nd. At, there's a taco bar provided. That's going to be happening right after the morning church service. Uh, so uh, if you'll uh, see, Jeb, see Amazon for their registration for uh, Jenny and Devin Foster. And then Trunk or Treat is coming up with our, with our Awana. We've been doing this, but the, we're do, the only thing we're doing differently this year is uh, we're advertising it to go out. We want to turn this into an outreach. So we need to have at least 20 people, 20 trunks that are out there. And, and I'm going to encourage you, in the past, we've only had about uh, 40 kids or so to go through, and we just grab handfuls and stuff into the bag. And we're hoping to have 100 or a couple hundred kids go through, so we would want to be more sparing as we're sharing that candy. I'm just letting you know. Uh, but it probably won't cost you any more candy. We've always just given out tons of it, and we'll still give out tons of it. But it's an outreach opportunity. You can invite people to come as well. Uh, there are postcards that are being printed and mailed out for this, so we're inviting the neighborhood. Uh, again, our goal is to have 20 volunteers to decorate their trunks and be ready to pass out candy. That happens uh, right before the church service on Wednesday night uh, of, of uh, the outreach time. And there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board out here, so you can sign up or see Matt Huggins, Joey Gannon, if you have any questions about that. Missionaries of the week are the Nelsons. The Nelsons are field directors, and uh, they travel to uh, many of the missionaries that we already support just to encourage them, see what their needs are. Uh, Nelsons used to be missionaries, but they've transitioned because of you know, their age in life to uh, being the field director, and they travel around and encourage other missionaries, help out where they need, are needed. So if you would just continue to pray for the Nelsons, I know that they would appreciate it. Let's have the men come forward. We'll take up the morning's offering. We're so excited about being able to be here this morning and uh, share God's word with you. But Tim, would you ask God's blessing on the Nelsons and on the service today, please, and the offering. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the ability to gather together. We thank you for the freedom that you have given to us to do it here in the United States. Just ask that you might continue to uh, guide our leadership in uh, the state and national levels that we might be able to maintain this freedom to share the gospel freely. We ask now that your Holy Spirit might have a good ground in which to work as your word goes forth. And Thank you for the work that the Nelsons have done over many years and give them wisdom as they continue to direct the younger missionaries and the plans for the mission board to spread the gospel across the world now. In your name we ask it. Amen.
Thank you, Christy. Right, we're going to make a change here. I just found out this about this like, I don't know, 37 seconds before the service started. All right, Pastor, always flexible with Pastor. So uh, three years ago today was Bill Sloan's passing. Is that correct? Three years ago today? And uh, his, his favorite song was Victory in Jesus. And so we're going to stand and sing three verses. I don't know which ones, but they'll be on the screen. And now we're going to sing three verses of Victory in Jesus.
So those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. The epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward reckoned, uh, not reckoned, of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe, that they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had, being yet uncircumcised. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. He may be seated. Well, this month we're continuing on our focus on salvation, and so to, to this morning we're going to look at the cross, but not just about the cross, but how we should respond to that. So we have a new hymn of the month, we'll sing next, but I want to sing the old Red cross first, which is an old classic, right? And yet it goes from where I cherish the old Red cross and I lay aside all my trophies so I can get that old Red cross. We'll sing all three verses of this. On a hill far away stood a Oh, 
Thank you. 
Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians, the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to talk about three things that have nothing to do with the message first, all right? First of all, three years since the Lord called Brother Bill home. Can you believe that? That's When Barb said that, I'm like, three years? Are you sure? She's like, yes, Pastor, I'm sure. That is just hard to imagine. Time just keeps flying by, but uh, what a joy. And if the Lord allows people to look over and uh, see what's happening. He's thrilled with what the Lord's doing here at Southeast, and so it's an exciting time. Miss Judy uh, is so many, and I'm, I'm hes- I've got to be careful how I say things because I'm not supposed to say things too publicly. But you know, she was given a a van for her handicap wheelchair, and wow, what a joy that was! Ninety-two thousand dollar van, and today. Uh, she is a guest of honor at a Colts game downtown. Isn't that wonderful? So uh, they gave her two extra tickets, so she asked Dan and Glenda and Dan said, I'm not going to a Colts game. But Glenda went, and Miss Pearl is at the Colts game with them. And so what a joy that is. So just uh, we're rejoicing with that. That's exciting. And so 38 years and 11 days ago, uh, I know exactly what I was doing. Well, 38 years, 11 days minus so many hours, because you got to get to about the 7 o'clock t- tonight hour, would be 38 years and 11 days ago, um, you know, Melody and I were um, finishing up our first date, or getting ready to go, actually, on our first date, uh, and we went to a revival, Jerry Sabinski, if you remember that teenager, we went to a revival, we got married, been 38 years ago, so, hey, that's exciting times, but uh, anyway... At the end of that, I gave her two yellow roses. You remember that story? I kind of backed out, gave them to her, put them in my trunk, and then we had such a good time, I decided to go ahead and give them to her, and I opened up my trunk and said, hey, I got something for you. Give her two roses. And that's just a lesson to everybody, <clears throat> teenagers, listen up. You know, you buy something cheap the first time around, and you can buy yellow roses for the rest of your life. 
And, uh, you know, if you buy something expensive, then you're in trouble, right? But uh, anyway, so we did that. I didn't plan it that way. It just worked that way. So then, uh, shortly thereafter, about a year and a half later, right about where the basketball goal is out in the parking lot. Now, it was a gravel parking lot. And this building wasn't here, and the church was only about, you know, 40 people or so. And, uh, but uh, we were coming back from another date. And uh, I had put two yellow roses in the trunk of my car uh, and a ribbon attached to those yellow roses. And at the end of that ribbon was a ring box. And uh, I said, you know, (laughs) ah, you get the idea. And I asked her if she would marry me, and she said yes. And we, I had planned, because I was youth pastoring at a church in Franklin, Indiana, New Life Baptist in Franklin, and I I had anticipated that she would say yes. And I had asked our teenagers to meet us at the Paramount Music Palace. You guys remember the Paramount Music Palace? If you can remember back then, it doesn't exist anymore. This organ would come up out of the floor, and they would play, and it was just phenomenal. And uh, it was pizza place. You'd wait in line for an hour to go have pizza, but you're really going to listen to them play this organ, right? And uh, she said yes. We went. The teenagers were like, what if she says no? I said, well, then you're going to console me, I guess. I don't know. But either way, we'll meet you there. And... Uh, so uh, that was on December the uh, 19th, and we went and met the teenagers there, and what an exciting time that was. So um, anyway, can you guess what our, what our wedding flowers were? Yellow roses, exactly. But I say all of that to say this. So to, this afternoon, the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra is doing an ode to the Paramount Pizza Palace. And uh, so we are going. <laughs> And so there's actually going to be the original organists. There's three organists from the old Paramount. And they're going to play what they call the Dirty 30, which is the 30 most requested songs that they got. So it's going to be Star Wars, and it's going to be, uh, you know, um, Javi Nagila, and, you know, I'm, I'm guessing. I don't really know what they were. I just remember hearing those again and again because we went several times over the years. And so anyway... That's what we're doing this afternoon. I just want to share that with you. So a lot of good things happening today. It's exciting. That has nothing to do with the message, just sharing those things with you. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. It's good to have you all here, Ephesians chapter 2. We're doing uh, a series on the gospel, on salvation, on what it took for God to, to purchase our souls from eternal hell, right? For God to step in and do something that we could not do for ourselves. In Ephesians chapter 2, let's begin at verse 1. And you with the quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Father, as we look at your truth today, God, help us to understand your great love for our souls in, in, a, in a minute way. Help us to recognize uh, how desperately you long for us to know your Son as our Savior and to spend eternity with you. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know your Son, today would be the day that they would understand uh, your love for them and that they would put their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done. And for the rest of us, God, help us to just rejoice in these truths and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For God to step in and redeem us, to buy us, back to purchase us, uh, he has to pay our sin debt, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. It is that which separates us from God. And so uh, here in Ephesians chapter 2, it starts out saying, we were dead. 
in our trespasses and sins. This, by the way, represents every one of us in this room and everyone outside of this room, everyone who's ever breathed breath, uh, is dead in trespasses and sins with a sin debt that needs to be paid. And uh, so, uh, you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In verse 2, it says, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had, we all, that's a good word to circle that, we all had our conversation, our manner of life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, desire, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, Boy, you need to underline that. So, you know, we talk about grace and we talk about mercy. And we try to distinguish those just for our own understanding. Grace is getting something that we do not deserve. And mercy is having something withheld that we do deserve. And both of these are involved in our salvation. Uh, we deserve, you know, we deserve to be in hell for all eternity. That's what we deserve. We deserve to be separated from God for all eternity because not because God is a mean God. In fact, the, the Bible is the whole story of, of the opposite. God is love, the Bible declares. And he shows forth that love in what he has done to provide salvation, not for our sins only, but for the sins also of the whole world. God loves mankind so much that he has done much uh, to this. But God is also a holy and righteous God. And sin is the opposite of holiness, and we cannot simply, he cannot, accommodate sin because that sin would taint his character and he would cease to be God. And by the way, if that happened, everything falls apart because he's the, he is the one that holds everything together. You understand? And so... This is a big deal, and yet, for whatever reason, this is the part we don't understand, but this is where mercy and grace come in. God loved us anyway. And his grace gave him a desire to bestow upon us, you know, the, the wonders that, of salvation that we don't deserve. And his mercy, while he is a righteous and holy God, he's also a gracious and merciful God, gave him that desire to withhold from us that which we do deserve. Flip side of all of that is his holiness demands a payment. And so you could say that God is between a rock and a hard place, right? I mean, he has to pay for our sin. Our sin must be paid for. And yet his grace and mercy desires for us to be with him. How can this happen? And so... God, in his great wisdom and his great love and mercy and grace, made a plan. Before the foundations of the world were, the Bible says, Jesus was crucified. God made a plan. And his plan was that he would send his son. And his son would take upon himself our sin debt. He would suffer so that God's holiness could be met and God's justice could be met and making a way then through God's grace and mercy for God to bestow upon us what we do not deserve and withhold from us what we do deserve 
through Jesus Christ, making a way for us to be able to enter into his presence. Because apart from that, we can't. We can't enter into his presence. We would taint him. And that's what Ephesians chapter 2 is going to be about. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We're going to focus on verse 8. It starts out this way. For by grace are you saved. Let's focus on this. It says, by grace are you saved. It is not something we deserve. It is getting something that we do not deserve. It is God's grace. It is simply because God is a gracious merciful, loving God who has devised a way for our sin debt to be paid so that his righteousness and holiness can still stay intact. That must be met. And he has devised this and then through grace he offers to all of us this wonderful gift of salvation. He literally is saying, would you let me pay your sin debt? That's what he's saying. Would you let me do this for you? And he offers it to the world. He is he's God, and he could, by the way, force things to happen, but when he made us, he made us in his image, the Bible says. And being made in the image of God means certain things. It does not mean that we were gods. It means that we have will and personality and, you know, we have the ability to think and to reason. The, 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 um, the um, philosopher, we call it self-awareness. We're aware of who we are and how our actions impact one another and all of those kinds of things. That's philosophy. God made us in his image. That's what happens to be in the image of God. And with that, he gave us a will. And we have a choice. He made us in his image. And with that, he gives us a choice. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever believeth on the Lord shall be saved. He gives us an option. But he, with that option, is asking us to accept it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he says to us, come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them whiter than snow. This is what God wants for us. He is not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. He offers then to the world, through His grace, salvation. Not something that we earn, not something that we deserve. It is by grace. And the verse goes on to say, by grace are you saved, what's the phrase? Through faith. Through faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It is through faith. It is 
a confidence, a trust. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to cleanse you from all sin? Because once we have that confidence, that's that saving faith. It's not a matter of walking through a process, right? It's not saying the right words. It's not going to the right church. It's where our confidence lies. Do we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that His death is sufficient to pay our sin debt. And once we place our confidence in that, by grace are you saved through faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. This is how it works. So it, it is through God's grace that the offer is even made. We do not deserve this. And we're not going to earn this by a work that we do. It is by trusting the work that He has done for us. He has done the work. Look what it says, the next phrase. That not of yourself. It was an interesting thing. In one of the, uh, in one of the songs that, were, that was being sung, uh, I can't remember now which song it was, but it's a hymn, so you would recognize it. But it says, not the labors of my hands. Oh, it was the choir song, I remember now. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Hey, listen, here's what the Bible says about this. Okay, I want, to, I want to start keeping God's law so that I can go to heaven. So I start from this day forward, and I never do another wrong thing. I only keep the law. I do everything that God has required. The problem is because I am already a sinner. Because I am already dead in my trespasses and sins. Everything that I do on the righteous side of this equation is tainted by my sin. And the Bible declares this. All of my righteousnesses become as filthy rags. I, I, can't, I can't do righteous things because I'm dragging around this sin condition that I am in. That sin condition has to be dealt with before I am even able to think about doing something on the righteous side of this equation. Otherwise, my sin debt taints all of it. So if I started today, and or I'm already old, but if a teenager started today and never did anything wrong, again, for the rest of their lives, they would still be dead in their trespasses and their sins. We, we have to be quickened. And you have to be quickened, verse 2 said. All of this is through His grace, by faith, in Jesus Christ. You see how this works? The offer is legitimately given to everyone. Whosoever will drink of this water will never thirst again. That's God's offer. He's offering it to us. He won't force it upon us. By being made in his image, he gave us a will, a choice. We have an option. You think, well, who would pass this up, Pastor John? You'd be shocked. I passed it up the first time I heard it, the second time I heard it, the third time I heard it. I sat in church from Sunday to Sunday from the age of about 12 or 13 to the age of 16, before I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Why? I don't know. Pride, 
arrogance, somehow thinking that I didn't need it, looking around and comparing myself to everybody else, thinking I'm not so bad. I don't know. I don't know what all was getting in the way. But I remember June 5th, 1977, 16-year-old kid, when I recognized I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. And only by the grace of God would that change. And I placed my faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for my sin. And I trusted His blood to be sufficient to pay my sin debt. And everything changed. I walked away cleansed. I walked away born again. I walked away renewed. Everything changed. Because Jesus Christ did what I cannot do. By grace you saved, through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, the Bible declares in verse 8. It is the gift of God. And it goes on in verse 9 and says this, not of works. Hey, listen, here's the danger. Listen, Southeast, I'm talking to all of us here. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapters. I won't try to give you chapters because I can't remember. I think it's chapter 7. But the Bible says that many shall say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and that in thy name? Remember that passage? And Jesus looks at them and says, Sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me you workers of iniquity. The reality is there are going to be many who think that they're on their way to heaven because their confidence is in the way they're living. Their confidence is in coming to church. Well, I come to church every Sunday, Pastor. That ought to count for something. But all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags to, to God's holiness. It requires a higher standard than we, can, than we can provide. I can't, there's nothing righteous I can do. I'm already dead in sin. There's nothing righteous I can do. You know, think about it in, in these terms. Roadkill. All right? What would you do as you see that rotting flesh bloated and flies and maggots? What would you do to make that palatable to you. Do you understand? You must be born again. You've got to have that new start. There's nothing we can do that's going to make... So, so coming to church, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not... And the list is pretty phenomenal. Like, did we not heal and call out demons and do these things in thy name? And Jesus looks at them and says, I never knew you. You never put your confidence in my death on the cross as the payment for your sin. That's what it comes down to. It's about a relationship. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. I'm asking us this morning, has there been a time that you've placed your faith, your confidence, your trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sin? Because that is what gets us to heaven. This church can't get anybody to heaven. It just can't. We don't have the power to do it. 
We just don't. But Jesus Christ does. And Jesus Christ stands at the door of your heart today and knocking and saying, Would you please come now, let us reason together. Drink of this water. Let me take that burden. He makes the offer. But he forces himself on no one. He offers. It's up to us to decide whether or not we will accept the offer. It's up to us to know that our confidence is in what Christ did, not what we're doing. So at 13, 14, 15, into my 16th year of life, as I'm sitting in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, I, was, I, I went to church faithfully during that time. My confidence was in what I was doing. I'm going to church. If you remember the story, I was literally kind of making a bargain with God. My family was falling apart. God, you fix my family. I'll go to church. And I'm trying to do righteous things to gain God's favor. But grace is not about what I've earned. Do you understand? God's favor is not earned. It's given to us in spite of us, not because of us. It's called grace. And I finally came to that understanding at 16 years of age. So we, we start there by asking you that question. Then we're going to back up and we'll look at a couple of things. Because then to the Christian... Let me point out some things here in this passage to us, Christian. Verse 6 says, He raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice something here. Because Ephesians uses that phrase, in heavenly places, uh, several times. And the idea of the heavenly places is not futuristic. It's right now. He made us, past tense, to sit in heavenly places. In Christ, in Christ, we are raised up together. In Christ, we now live life differently. In Christ, now I can accomplish righteousnesses. I can do the things that would please God in Christ. Because now I'm a new creation, a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. This is what I am in Christ. So in Christ, Christian, look at it. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. So in the ages to come, he's continuing to show what he is doing through Christ and in Christ through his people. Go down to verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So now I'm a Christian. Pastor, I've placed my faith, my confidence, my trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for my sins. I'm on my way to heaven. Great. Now what am I supposed to do? Sit in the heavenly places. Walk differently. Do good works. Involve yourself in the, in the work that God has called us to. Because now in Christ, I can do things differently. So that's the... That's the flip side of all this, right? Now that I'm a Christian, life is different. That's just, oh. I, 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 I use phrases and they bring back a song. Let's see. Um, Things are different now. You guys know the song? Something happened to me since I gave my life to Jesus. Things are different now. Yeah. Since I gave my life to Him. I can't remember it all. You get that... Things are different. We're in Christ. 
Now we live differently. Now we have joy unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passes all understanding. Because the sin debt is paid for. The burden is lifted. It's gone. And now in Christ, wow, what a joy it is. Head bowed, eyes closed, please. So the real question is this. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? How do I get there, Pastor? By grace, through faith, not of yourself, gift of God, not of works. Where is your confidence? Where is your faith? Where is your trust? Do we believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross is sufficient? And do we believe it enough that we have placed our confidence in that blood to be sufficient for our personal sin debt? There's a God who loves you so much that he is offering this morning would you please trust my son as your savior? As bowed eyes closed, you say, Pastor John, I remember a time in which I placed my confidence, my trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as a payment for my sins. And Pastor, if I die today, I know I'm going to heaven, not because I go to this church, not because I've done good things, but because I am trusting the blood of Jesus Christ as the payment for my sins, and I know I'm heading that direction. Would you lift your hand up so I can rejoice with you with that? Thank you, thank you. Hands across the place. Not everyone, but hands across the place. I appreciate your honesty. I know this is an e- they're not easy things. Say, Pastor, truth is, I don't know. I can't remember a time in which I put my faith, my confidence in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for my sins. As far as I can tell, Pastor, I'm, I'm here this morning, dead, in my trespasses and sins. And I'm concerned about my soul, about where we'd spend eternity. Can I tell you some wonderful news about a God who has made salvation available to all of us? He says, right now, right where you're sitting, you can place your confidence in what Jesus Christ did as the payment for your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, right where you're sitting. Would you do that? Best you know how. Lord, please forgive me and save me from my sins. Place your confidence in what he did as the payment for your sins. And the God who cannot lie will keep his promise. No one else looking around, just you, me and the Lord, you say, Pastor, that's where I'm at today. This morning, sitting here, as best I can understand how to do this, I have put my faith this morning in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and I'm trusting his death to be the payment for my sin. I've done that this morning, Pastor. Would you just look up for me for just a moment and make eye contact with me? Did you mean that? God's not a liar. He keeps his word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? From this moment forward, you're on your way to heaven. Not because of what we've done, but because of what God did for us. Anyone else? Make sure I see you. I just had two look up here at me. Amen. Christian, let me ask you a question. Are we squandering the new life we have in Christ? 
We're now to sit in heavenly places. We're now to go forward and do good works that he has called us unto. To accomplish now his will. And let's not squander what his blood has done for us. We now stand forgiven, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And able to do the righteous works he's called us to do in Christ. Pastor, I know I'm, I know I'm saved, but Pastor, I've, I've been squandering my salvation. I, I need to get busy doing what I know God's called me to do. And, and Pastor, God spoke in my heart this morning. Would you slip your hand up? Let me see that so I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Three, four, five. Thank you. Father, for these two that trust you this morning, God, I pray they've grown your grace and just thank you for your grace that has brought them to yourself. God, I pray that uh, these four or so that have raised their hand, you would just be with them and encourage them to, to live for you in greater fashion, not to squander what your salvation has brought to them. And God, for all of us, may we truly be grateful, thankful people for your grace and your mercy that has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing 292, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior. The altar is open to you. If you'd like to step out, do business with the Lord. If you want to talk to somebody about what we've talked about, we'll meet you down front. Do that together as we sing together. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of His I appreciate your kind attention. Uh, those of you who trusted Christ this morning, if you'd like to talk about it, we'd, what a joy it is. The Bible says this. This is an amazing thing. The Bible says that when one person comes to Christ, all of heaven stops and rejoices. And uh, two people this morning, all of heaven is singing and shouting. What a joy it is. And that's, a, that's an exciting time. All right, anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Don't forget, uh, we have a, this is kind of the last minute, so we're just reminding it, you about it this Friday, uh, 6 o'clock at Southeast Way Park uh, for that hayride. Those of you in my, uh, our Sunday school class, if you're involved in that, please, we'd love to have you. It'd be a great time. All right? The Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You're dismissed.